Hello, Glenridge family. I'm so excited to be speaking with you this morning, and I wish I could just see all your faces. So I'm staring into this camera, and I'm thinking of all of you and wishing that we could all be together. And this year is flying by. I cannot believe it's already August. Man, what a year it has been. But God is with us. He is with us. And Stan was speaking about a week ago um, about a second wind that he feels like God wants to give us, that he wants to bring a second wind so we can finish this year strong and full of grace and full of faith. And I've really felt that something significant Jesus wants to do with this second wind that is coming is that he wants to give us sight. I believe he wants to give us a revelation of sight. And one of the things that has been so difficult in this time of corona is that it feels like we cannot see. We can't see the future. Things feel uncertain. Things feel hazy. And that has made us insecure. It has made me insecure. And I've definitely been on this roller coaster of full of faith one day, really not full of faith the next day, full of faith the next day, potentially falling apart the next day. But I feel like there is something with our seeing and with our sight that Jesus wants to change. And it's part of the second wind that he wants to give us. God wants to give us supernatural sight. And what's amazing is that supernatural sight is not affected by our outward circumstances or the uncertainty of the future. And I really felt three specific things in this area of sight. I felt like there were blinders that Jesus wants to take off. I felt like that there were perspectives that he wants to change and eyes that he wanted to be opened. Eyes that were blind, that are not seeing, that Jesus wants to open. In the past few weeks, I've been reading through the book of Matthew, and I've been actually so amazed at how many times it says Jesus saw, Jesus saw over and over again. And it's been so beautiful seeing all, all that happened after Jesus saw. So it says Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, and he called them to follow him. Jesus saw James and John and called them to follow Jesus saw the crowds and he sat down to teach them. Jesus saw the woman with the issue of blood and he healed her. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion on them. When Jesus saw people, there was an action that followed. He called them to follow. He taught them. He healed. His seeing led him to act and then led to their transformation. So I looked at the Greek word, for the word saw that's used in these verses, and I'm not gonna try and pronounce it for you now, but the definition said to properly stare at, to discern, to perceive, recognize, or apprehend clearly. And I loved that, that when Jesus saw, when Jesus looks, he looks deeply, he discerns clearly and knowingly, he is seeing and looking for a purpose. And I wanted us to look together at the story of Zacchaeus. And I've loved looking at this story this week. There are incredible treasures about seeing in this story. And I want to read it for us. It's in Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short and he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. 
When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So let's just unpack these verses a little bit. So firstly, many of these verses we would have been familiar with, but I loved unpacking them and learning more about Zacchaeus as, as I went. Zacchaeus, as we know, was an outcast. Isn't it amazing how Jesus saw the outcast? He always saw those on the fringes. He was hated by his Jewish community because he was a tax collector and a chief one, it says. And one commentator I was reading said that probably meant he was even in charge of the whole district of Jericho, which meant it probably was a post that he had bought from Rome. So even more of a reason to be hated by his Jewish people. He was very wealthy. The next thing we noticed was that he wanted to see Jesus. So he had heard about Jesus. He was already curious, but the crowd was in his way. But his desire to see Jesus was so strong that actually he shamed himself as a rich, as a rich man and climbed a tree like a boy would do. This would have been highly unusual and embarrassing at the time. This was not done. It actually reminds me of the actions of the father in the prodigal son where he ran to his son with such mercy and compassion. So this man's desire to see Jesus all of that over, overrode his wealth, his position, his everything. He, he wasn't bothered about, being, about, about shaming himself, about being silly, about climbing a tree like a boy. And I want to just pause here and ask the question, how strong is our desire to see? Is it strong enough to push past the obstacles that appear in our way? Is it strong enough to look foolish? Zacchaeus had to rise above the obstacles and circumstances and even his physical obstacles in order to see Jesus and in order to see clearly. What are the obstacles and circumstances that you need to rise above in order to see Jesus in this season? So when Jesus reached the spot, he stopped and he looked up and he called him by name. So how did he know his name? Of course, he was God, so we know he's all-knowing. But Jesus already saw Zacchaeus. He had already seen him. The Holy Spirit was already working in the heart of Zacchaeus and wooing him to him. Jesus was not randomly passing through Jericho. He had a purpose and a plan, and he walked straight to that tree. I imagine Zacchaeus was not expecting Jesus to see him, or certainly stop and look up and talk to him. After all, he was just in a tree looking down over him, and he just wanted to get a look. I imagine he did not expect that he would be the chosen host for Jesus that day. In the message, it says this, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. 
Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, and delighted to take Jesus home with him. See, when our desire to see God meets with the revelation that he already sees us, two things happen, joy and transformation. Joy and transformation. Do you remember that first revelation of God? Whether it's when you first came to know Jesus at salvation, whether it was when you were filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. So I remember when I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, it was like all the truth that I knew in my head that I'd practiced came flooding into my heart. And I was completely overwhelmed with the love of God. I was completely overwhelmed that, that I was seen, that I could, I would never be alone again, that I was loved, and I was seen and loved exactly for who I was. I was loved at that moment, and there was nothing I could do to make Jesus love me more, and nothing that I could do to make him love me less. It was so incredibly freeing. And I had count, encounters since then of Jesus and of God's love, and I remember one time I was so overwhelmed with joy. I mean, I just, I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. I could not stop laughing because the joy that came from that incredible knowledge was just almost overwhelming. It was overwhelming to me. It says Zacchaeus was delighted. Imagine being the reject, being the hated one. He is delighted. Jesus has seen him and he welcomed Jesus gladly. But at this, the crowds begin to murmur. And as we know, the crowds will always murmur because Zacchaeus did not deserve the honor or the attention of Jesus. And none of us do. Zacchaeus' eyes then are open to the people that he has oppressed and that he's wronged. So his transformation is coming almost immediately after meeting Jesus. And he makes a public statement of faith that promises to give half his possessions to the poor, and if he has cheated or wronged anyone, he will repay back four times over. And Bob Utley comments on this passage saying, this is way over the amount that even in the Old Testament would have been required for him to make restitution, which meant that his transformation meant he was definitely not a wealthy man any longer. See, a response to this revelation of seeing Jesus and of knowing that we are seen by him is that we then see others. And the response to seeing others is generosity, is the generosity of Christ that overflows in our hearts. Then Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man is a son of Abraham. Remember, because of his vocation, he has already been rejected as a Jew. He's also rejected by the Romans. So he is living as a rejected man with really no identity. And in this statement, Jesus is reestablishing him. He is reestablishing him as a son of Abraham and a true son of Abraham that is not defined by birth, but is defined by faith. And he is establishing him as a son of God. He is placing his identity back on him. And I love what the message says in this verse. The message actually says, here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. It's like he's shouting, he's announcing his identity to everybody. It's like when we have our kids. I remember when 
well, for all of our children, obviously. But when you had, when we had Jonas, I remember calling each person saying, here he is, it's Jonas. And we were telling everyone about his birth and about his name and about his identity. That's what Jesus is doing here. He is announcing Zacchaeus' true identity to the crowds, to the public. Some of you need to hear Jesus announce your true identity again because your circumstances and people have skewed your view of the truth. And perhaps all that you've been through in the past few months have just run you down and your identity has been through a lot. When we can't see Jesus and when we think he can't see us, our identity is up for grabs depending on what people say or our own fears and evaluation of ourselves. Jesus wants to shout his identity over you again. He wants to make it really, really clear to you and to everyone else that you are a son or a daughter of God. So the truth that needs to happen. Remember at the beginning, I said I felt like three main things in this area of sight. One, I felt like blinders need to be removed. Blinders need to be removed from people's eyes. Jesus sees you. He always has. In Psalm 139, it says he saw our unformed bodies even before we were born. How much more so does he see us now? COVID cannot obscure his sight, and your own failures cannot obscure his sight. He sees you, and his seeing is not a distant observation. It is an intimate knowing that results in him responding to your situation. When we were at the prayer meeting last week, um, I actually shared this at prayer, but Raymond said something so beautiful and it's just stuck with me and I keep thinking about it. He said, to be seen is to be loved. How true is that? When we know that we are truly seen is when we feel truly loved. You are seen by God and you are loved. Psalm 33 verse 18 says, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and on those whose hope is steadfast and in his steadfast love. Blinders need to be removed so you can see that Jesus sees you. And secondly, perspectives need to change. Jesus wants you to see him. Like Zacchaeus, it's time we need to push through the obstacles that block our view from God. What needs to be shifted in your life right now so that you can see him? What do you need to get? What do you need to do to get to a perspective that you can see him? Like Zacchaeus, do you need to climb a tree? What tree do you need to climb to get in a place where you can see Jesus clearly? Because joy and transformation await us. He is ready to shout over a confirmation of our identities in him. Psalm 34 verse 5 says, Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. And thirdly, Eyes need to be open. We need to see others. Our lack of seeing Jesus and realizing that he sees us can hinder us from seeing the one that is right in front of us that we are called to love and minister to in this time. I remember listening to a talk by Jackie Pullinger Toe, who worked with the poor in Hong Kong for many years, and all her talks completely transformed our lives. Um, but she said this, which I thought was so interesting. When people are asking, well, how do you begin? How do you start working with the poor? 
And she said, the first thing to do is to ask God to help you see them, to help you see them. Because often we don't see them or we don't want to see them because we feel like if we do, we'll have to do something about what we see. But she said, the first step is to ask God to give you eyes to see, because how can we serve them if we can't even see them? Who is the one right now in your life that needs a kind word or an act of generosity or a demonstration of God's love or the Spirit's power? We all need that at the moment. There are people walking past us every day. There are people in our family, in our home, that need to hear that from us. Let's ask Jesus to give us eyes for others again. And as we see them, that our hearts would overflow with the generosity of Christ. Like Zacchaeus, as he saw the people that he had wronged, his eyes were open, his response was giving and generosity. Because when we truly see like Jesus does, we have to respond. It requires a response from us. God has always seen us, and God has always been about bringing sight to the blind, both literally and spiritually. And there's a beautiful story in Genesis when Hagar was running away from Sarah. She had been mistreated from her, and she had an encounter with the Lord in the desert, and the Lord spoke to her. And her response is so beautiful. It says, you are the God who sees me, for I have now seen the one who sees me and she was changed forever. My prayer is that like Hagar, we would truly see the God who sees us. And like Zacchaeus, we would respond with joy and we would allow him once again to transform us into his likeness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace over us in this time. And I thank you that you are a God who sees And Lord Jesus, I ask for each one of us that are together today, that are listening to this message, I pray for each one of us that our eyes would be open. If there are blinders that need to come off, would you take them off, Jesus? If there are perspectives that need to change, would you change those perspectives? Help us to push through any obstacles so we can see you. And if there are eyes that need to be open to others again, Jesus, open our eyes. Do a miraculous work in our seeing and in our sight, that we would see like you do, Jesus. And I pray you would give us grace to walk out the rest of this year with your power and with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.